The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. We're going to be talking about a rather serious topic today. We're going to be talking about your place of business and that means we're talking about your money. You know, one of the places in our lives where we're least encouraged to be true to our own authenticity is at work. In fact, people who are honest and forthright at work are often considered to be naive or even self-destructive. So how can we be authentic and yet protect ourselves from the sharks that are always circling the water? Authenticity does not mean that you lose your wisdom or give away information that needs to be kept private or even sacred or allow people to walk on you or take advantage of you. Rather, it means that you make the radical shift of taking integral responsibility for your days, your hours, your minutes at work. Authentic leadership is one of the areas that I teach in corporate training um, as a consultative as well as a training approach. We all know, however, that it's really bloody at the top. So how does one become an authentic leader? So today we're talking about the whole idea of being authentic at work, how to be an authentic leader at work. And if you're having trouble at work, which is pretty inevitable in today's world, you don't want to miss one second of this show. So hang in here throughout the show. We're going to be talking about a lot of the principles of what it is to be authentic at work. So here's the thing. What I believe is that our world at this point is in an economic crisis because the weasel has popped. <laughs> you know that old ditty, round and round the mulberry bush, the monkey chased the weasel? Well, the weasel popped. The money that we spend goes round and round in circles, and they say to us now that the, the only way we're going to really avoid the next terrible crisis that is going to occur is if we buy gold. The reason for that is that paper doesn't really mean as much as it used to mean. And uh, we need the gold backup. We need the real deal. And I think that's metaphorical. I think that's true all the way up the ladder from the bottom line to the top to leadership where, where we're not being real. We don't operate in the real. As a matter of fact, when we're driving to work, we can literally, if we're paying attention, feel ourselves putting on that mask and costume to go to work. We can feel ourselves donning that quote-unquote professional demeanor. Now, I'm not saying that we should go to work dressed in blue jeans or not ha- not be professional at work. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that authenticity does not mean we stop being professional. In other words, professionalism is the very basis of authenticity, but most of us are not operating that way. And in order for us to begin to operate that way, 
we have to be, A, willing to take the risk to operate that way, which means that we stop believing that our survival depends on doing what our bosses say do. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we should have anarchy in our businesses. What I am saying is the, the survival motif that we have placed on work is slowly but surely ebbing away. We have begun to believe that it is not our workplaces that keep us alive, but it is us that keep us alive, that we are the survivors. And the more we cling to uh, the workplace or what the boss tells us we have to do or whatever spin you want to put on that to keep us alive, the less authentic we are going to be. So when we say our our... I gotta work, you know, you gotta work, you gotta eat, right? That's the old thing we say. Well, yes, we do have to eat and we do need water. I'm not sure that the way we have set up the work world today, as we're seeing the economy decline, is the way it will always be. In fact, I think what the challenge is now is for us to start doing it differently than we've ever done it before. If not, we're going to keep going around this cycle over and over and over again. Inflation, uh, depression, inflation, depression, inflation, depression, until we, there's a big boom, until the weasel pops. Uh, and we need to be thinking of that differently. So we're going to talk today about several of the concepts that are, that are, that back up authenticity at work and how and why they work. Now, you should know that I'm in the, uh, presently writing a book, uh, uh currently called, uh, Really, Really Bad Bosses and Lessons in Authentic Leadership. And, uh, hope to see that book published next year. Uh, and so I'm putting a lot of energy in this. And you should also know that, as I said at the beginning, I am a corporate trainer as well as a psychotherapist. And so I offer corporate training to corporations in the soft skills. And by soft skills, I don't mean that it's just all soft. I do mean that these are the skills that hold up everything else we do. Uh, the, the soft skills are those that have to do with, uh, relationship, uh, conflict resolution, diversity training, uh, authentic leadership, um, effective communication, conflict resolution, stress management, effective teaming or effective teams, Talent management, all of those things fall under the purview of the soft skills. And all of those things are the basis of everything else we do. It doesn't matter how many hard skills you've got. If you know, if you are computer geek extraordinaire, if you don't have some of these soft skills in place, you're either coming from a very dysfunctional environment that allows that to continue or you're not going to last in that environment. Uh, and very often I find that the more we know and trust the hard skills, the worse and the more dysfunctional the work environment is. So, uh, so, you know, we can rely on those hard skills all we want, but until we have the soft skills down, we're still not functioning to our optimum level. Why? Because we, there is not a business in the world. There's not a single business in the world. It is not absolutely 100% reliant upon relationship skills to some degree or another. And those relationship skills have everything to do with the soft skills. They, that is what the soft skills are all about. How do we relate to other human beings? Customer service, 
is one area we talk about quite a lot where we're, we're supposed to please the customer. The customer's always right, right? No, of course not. The customer's not always right, nor is anyone else always right. And that motif is based in a falsehood. Therefore, our customer relations suffer. Anytime we're basing our work endeavors on something that's not true, we're going to suffer. And the bottom line is therefore going to suffer. How much more creativity could we put into authentic customer relations if we were authentic people on the job and if our training was all about authenticity on the job and if our leaders were authentic? How much more creativity and passion and power could we put into our customer interactions if they were coming from some real essential core inside of us? And that, that right there is why our bottom line is suffering. Because we're trying to make things go that are real in an unreal way. It's always going to be that way until we change what we're doing. So, okay, let's talk a little bit about some of the principles of uh, authenticity at work. The first thing we have to understand if we're going to be authentic at work is we have to know that we are 100%, absolutely 100% responsible for everything in our own lives and everything inside of ourselves. Integral responsibility means that not only can we take that responsibility, but we can give back responsibility to other people for the things that belong to them. So integral means whole. It means the whole picture. So not only are we taking responsibility for ourselves, but we are giving back responsibility to those uh, other people to whom that responsibility belongs. So, okay, so what do we mean by the word responsibility? What we don't mean is odious uh, obligation or heinous duty. We don't mean um, that we are responsible to keep that job and please the boss. And those are the those are the archetypes we usually think of when we think of responsibility. But actually, responsibility is the ability to respond. It is the ability to respond, and. Coming from an authentic response is far different from coming from that old archetype, the patriarchal, very masculinized archetype of you got to please the boss. He's the man. He's the one in charge. And the reason we believe so much in that archetype is because we base everything in the business world on the military concept of management, which is there's a boss. He's in charge. He's got the stripes on his arms, and you do what he says or else. Okay? That's the archetype. And and while there are a lot of people out there now saying, well, that's the old authoritarian archetype and we don't want to use that anymore, they're still using it. <laughs> I mean, they may give it another name, but they're still using it. And not only are they using that, but there's a, a bunch of other dysfunctional patterns of leadership going on out there all day, every day. And people who work for those leaders are enabling those leaders to continue in that dysfunctional pattern because – The employees believe that their survival depends on whether or not they have that job. And uh, and we see that there's a lot of people uh, unemployed right now. And certainly we have seen an increase in uh, uh, the uh, decrease in financial well-being because of the increase in job loss. That's an important part of the cycle that we have to go through before we begin to understand that our survival is not dependent on our bosses. Our survival is dependent upon our own responsibility, our own integral responsibility. If we're taking responsibility for our own survival 
And beyond that, taking responsibility that we do more than survive, but actually begin to live, really live, fully alive, then we become creative beings. We become creative and we become able to find the thing that is going to help us survive. So that that paradigm shift really needs to take place. And this uh, economic crisis is in part how we're going to get there. That's not the whole thing. I mean, we could just go to poverty and do nothing but bitch and moan about it. But uh, we can also go to go to through this economic crisis and begin to think differently about leadership and about business in general. Because most of the time, our businesses and our interactions at business are operating out of inauthentic behaviors rather than authentic behaviors. And uh, so when I'm in, I use integral responsibility, what I do is this. I begin to understand that my life belongs to me. Everything in my life belongs to me. I belong to me. No one gets to define me but me. And I'm the one who is absolutely 100% in charge of my choices. Regardless of what the external world is saying to me, I still have a choice about how I'm going to respond to that. So that's the first step in integral responsibility. We're going to talk about the other side of that in just a few minutes right after the break. Stay tuned for more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about authenticity at work. And as you know, the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. 
Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And as we said, we're talking about uh, authenticity at work, and we were talking just before the break about integral responsibility and what those terms mean. We said that uh, we uh, responsibility means I'm 100% responsible for all of my choices, all of my thoughts, all of my feelings, all of everything that's inside of me and all that I create outside of me. I'm 100% responsible for that, and no one else is. And if that is really true, then my survival does not depend on whether or not I am pleasing the boss or doing what the company does, even though I might find it to be unethical. Uh, integral responsibility also means that I give back responsibility to other people for their lives. That means I stop trying to control them or manipulate them or win in a negotiation, I stop trying to win and start trying to negotiate. There's a big difference between a win-win negotiation and a win-lose negotiation. And if I'm negotiating to win, I'm probably going to be playing some games. I'm probably not going to really be listening to what the other person says. I'm probably going to be not- uh, uh, paying attention only to my agenda, my agenda, my agenda, my agenda, and trying to get that to happen through manipulation, Coercion, overt or covert coercion. I'm going to be trying to find some way to control that other person. And if I have integral responsibility, then I understand that I cannot control other people. They have a choice. If someone allows uh, themselves to do what it is that I want them to do, it's because they chose it for whatever reason. They did not, I did not make them do it. They chose it. I cannot make another person feel I cannot change another person's thoughts. I cannot uh, change another person's mood. I cannot change their ethics, their religion, their philosophy, their nothing. I cannot control other people. And integral responsibility completely realizes that reality. Now, when we come to the leadership paradigm, that is just such a shocking thing to talk about because our leadership paradigm has been based entirely on the military concept, as I said, that has to do with authority has all the power. And people that don't have authority don't have power. And so because of that archetype, we've got a real imbalance in power. And we also have an imbalance in respect. We have an, impo- an imbalance in trust. And we have an imbalance in the whole dynamic of, of uh, interaction at the workplace. So everybody at the workplace is a little less transparent, a little less honest because everybody's trying to make sure they keep their job. And it all is based on the agenda of I must have this job in order to survive. Well, if I've got integral responsibility, I'm responsible for my well-being, not this job. And however else you want to place that in terms of the spiritual world, that's all yours too. But in terms of the work world, uh, we understand that other people belong to themselves and I belong to myself. And once we get that concept, respect changes entirely. We've got a real imbalanced view of the whole idea of respect. Respect has come to be connoted to mean that we are, that there are certain people who should get our respect and other people who get less respect. Why? Because the people that, uh, don't have the positions of power just don't 
get that much respect. And we see that operative every day in our worlds because money is power and because power is power, or so we perceive it to be, and because we all agree together collectively to, to believe that and to operate as if it's true, we, we perpetuate it. But it's all based just in a belief system, and the belief system is that some people deserve more respect than other people, and that is complete fallacy. So when we operate that way, we're operating in an inauthentic fashion, and the bottom line is going to show up being inauthentic. Ergo, paper means nothing and gold means everything. So, we, you know, everything we do in the in the world above the bottom line is going to pan out to the bottom line. And most businesses, at least for-profit businesses, are operating to the bottom line. The bottom line is all about who's making the bucks. Well, if the bucks are really real, then what has happened above the bottom line will have been real also. That is the paradigm that needs to change if we're going to change our world and our world's economy. We don't operate that way, though. however. We operate from uh, an idea that some people get the right just because they sit in the boss's chair to control other people. And the people who are controlled believe that paradigm as well. And they say, okay, well, this is the boss. I have to do what the boss says. No, you don't. You don't have to do what the boss says. You don't even have to do what the police says. Now, now, I'm not saying we should have our anarchy here. Let me be clear. I am saying that if you choose to disobey the law, you will take the consequences of that choice. And if I choose to quit my job today, I take the consequences of that choice. Okay, and I have literally one time in the past quit a job after turning in an executive director for what I saw to be embezzlement. Uh, I quit that job and that same day I turned him in and quit the job the same day and didn't have another one. I got another one in two weeks, uh, but I didn't have another one at the time. Now, most people would say, well, that's not really smart. You got to eat. You got you can't quit. You got to do, you know, keep your job, keep your job, keep your job. Uh, and, you know. Some people would say to me today that was a foolish act. And, you know, I'm not saying it's not a foolish act. I'm just saying that's what I did because it seemed to me to be the thing that was most true for me to do at that time. Uh, so, and I'm not encouraging all of y'all to go uh, quit your jobs today. Let me be clear about that, too. I am saying that your survival does not depend on your job. Your survival depends on you and your creativity. That's what your survival depends upon. And uh, so however you create that is on you, 100% on you, how you create it. So all the times that we're bowing and kissing the proverbials at work when we think we have to do it that way to please the boss so he won't be mad at us or she won't be mad at us and won't uh, fire us, we're, we're enabling the boss to continue the imbalanced system and we are a part of that system, so we are creating together with the boss a system that is dysfunctional and inauthentic, and that's going to show up at the bottom line. And the bottom line is how you're going to pay your house note when it gets down to it. So we 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 really need to start rethinking that. So the second thing about authenticity is knowing yourself, and that means being able to self-assess. The ability to self-assess is not one that we've, we've been taught how to do. If I were God, and I'm not, but if I were, well, I am, but I'm not, uh, then I would be able to change the school system so that self-assessment would be taught as a skill. All kinds of other things would be taught as a skill, but certainly self-assessment would. We think that self-assessment means criticizing ourselves. We think that self-assessment means that we're supposed to figure out what we've done wrong and correct it and not be bad people anymore. That's what we think self-assessment is. That is not self-assessment. 
Self-assessment has nothing to do with good or bad. Self-assessment has to do with seeing what's really there, period, without judgment. And it is only when we can do that without judgment that we come out with a clean, objective view. And that is what we're looking for with regard to self-assessment. So we go in once a year, twice a year, however your organization does it, for an evaluation. I teach people how to do performance appraisals as a part of talent management when I go into corporates, uh, corporate environments and all the time. And, and one of the things that comes out most frequently with regard to evaluations is that the employee is not pleasing the boss. Well, that's not what an evaluation is about. It's not whether or not the employee is pleasing the boss. The, the evaluation is supposed to be, if it's an authentic tool, supposed to be about a self-assessment by the employee and an, a clear objective assessment by the boss. And those are rare, very rare in our world. Um, too often they're all based in politics and personality instead of objectivity. And uh, so when we when it comes to self-assessment, we what we're taught is I have to – my self-assessment needs to be based on whether or not I am surviving good enough. Or it needs to be based in morals. One of those two things, those are the ways we, we, we assess ourselves. And when those two things get blended at work, it can get real blurry about what's really true and false there. So self-assessment means knowing yourself, knowing yourself intimately. And that means getting down to the baseline. What are the things that I'm doing that aren't true to who I really am? And how will I know the difference? How will I know when I'm doing something that's not true to who I am? Well, I'm going to feel it inside of me. And I'm going to have to learn how to recognize those feelings, those quote-unquote tells inside of me that inform me that I am doing something that isn't true to who I actually am. And that's why we need to get really comfortable in that inner terrain. And so self-assessment is way different than judging ourselves, way different than criticizing ourselves, has a lot more depth than any work evaluation will ever be able to reach and shouldn't reach actually. But uh, it has to do with whether or not we know ourselves. And it's knowing ourselves is absolutely foundational to authentic leadership and authentic uh, servitude, authentic stewardship, authentic working in a position, authentic employeeism, if you want to say it that way. Uh, anything that we do authentic at work is going to have to come down first to knowing who we are. We also have to take responsibility. If we're going to have integral responsibility and know ourselves, we have to take responsibility for our belief systems. How much of what we believe is hooey? <laughs> Let me just put it that way. How much of what we believe is hooey? Very often, a good portion of what we believe and even base our lives on is hooey. It's just plain hooey. hooey. The very idea that our survival depends on our employer, that's hooey. Uh, that that's one of the first ones that we have to begin to question. Um, but there is a lot of others, like can other people actually control me? No, they cannot. Only if you give over your power to them can, do they have any, any, any say-so whatsoever about what you do, say, think, feel, or anything else. Um, uh, in terms of uh, what's, what's, uh, what do I believe about myself? I mean, is it true that I'm lazy if I uh, got sick one day and didn't go into work? There are some people who feel that way, that if they don't, if they miss a day of work while well, they're just lazy people, even if they were really sick. Uh, you know, these are the kinds of things that we can begin to ask ourselves when we're starting to really self-assess to find out what belief systems we carry that are true and are false. And the ones that are false, 
if we can sort of renegotiate that against the ones that are true, then what we find out is that we stand more grounded on planet Earth. We are more certain of ourselves and more confident about what we can and cannot do on this planet. You know that old prayer of serenity. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That prayer, whether you believe in prayer or not, has so much to say about what is true and false on our planet. If I have the courage to change the things I can change, then I'm taking responsibility for my life. If I have the uh, the wherewithal to know what I cannot change, then I am self-assessing and taking integral responsibility because I know when to give over responsibility to the person to whom it belongs instead of taking it on as if it's mine. Uh, and if I have the wisdom to know the difference between when I can do something about it and when I can't, well, that's when I know myself. That's when I know myself. So, okay, now we move on to how to understand the connection between self-awareness and transformation. So, okay, the intricacies of transformation have everything to do with settling into who we actually are. Transformation is not becoming someone different or even someone better. Transformation is becoming who we are at our core essence. It is, uh, and so what isn't true to who we are goes. And that's transformation. We let go of and stop identifying with and stop behaving out of those things that are not true to who we are. And we hold on to what we truly are. That's transformation. And that's all there is to transformation. Everything else that you hear and say about transformation is false because it assumes that we're supposed to be something different than what we came here to be. We'll talk some more about that right after the break. Stay tuned for more about authenticity at work. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and wellness network are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market if so then you need to tune in to profitable investing with jordan kimmel every thursday at 8 a.m pacific time jordan kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on wall street as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit pumping pro grab the bull market by the horns and listen to profitable investing with jordan kimmel Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. 
visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about authenticity at work. And what we've said so far is that in order to develop an authentic stance at work, whatever your work is, we have to do a couple of things. We have to understand and be able to implement integral responsibility into our lives. We have to know ourselves. We have to be willing to self-assess and therefore confront the belief systems within us that are not true uh, and those that are. And we have to then begin to understand the distinction between the, the way self-awareness works together with transformation and the intricate patterns that those two have. Because as we said just before the break, self-awareness means becoming aware of what is true and false inside of ourselves, not what is wrong or right, and it's not self-criticism, but what is true and false. When are we acting in a way that isn't true to who we are and when are we being true to who we are? And transformation isn't becoming better people. It's not improving the self. It is becoming the self so that we sort of drop off all those things that aren't true to who we are. And in the process, uh, we go back to integral responsibility, which in the workplace means that I am responsible for what I do on my job. I am responsible for what I do on my job. I am not responsible for what someone else does on their job. I am responsible for what I do on my job. And even in a leadership capacity, the leader who is an authentic leader, among many other things, understands that he or she has no control over his employees or her employees and does and, and operates out of that kind of transparency. It says, I know you have a choice here about whether or not you're going to do this. And thank you very much for doing it. And I fully respect your personhood and your choice to do it or not do it. That doesn't mean that we can't say, here, I need this done by Thursday. It does mean that we internally respect the rights of the person not to do it. And if they don't do it, then, of course, they're choosing the consequences as well. That integral responsibility means that choice and those consequences are on them, not on us as the boss but on them. So it changes the paradigm entirely. And, you know, we, we have built, as I said, we have built our economy on uh, inauthentic measures above the bottom line, and therefore the bottom line has suffered. And that is why I believe we are in the current economic crisis. What we tend to want to do is say, well, Bush did it. No, well, Clinton did it. No, well, maybe Obama's doing it by trying to dig us out of the hole that got created. Or maybe it goes back as far as Reagan or, you know, maybe even further. But Or maybe, you know, when, uh, when uh, Roosevelt implemented all those things to help people after the Depression, well, maybe that's what started the whole thing. We just keep trying to find out who to blame, who to blame, who to blame, who to blame. But finding out who to blame is not going to help us solve the problem. Here's the deal. We all live in a system, and we have all enabled the same system to be operative. We have all had our share of responsibility in creating the system that it is today. Every person here on this planet is a part 
of that responsibility. There is no one who isn't, maybe infants. Other than that, no, no one who isn't. Uh, we, we, when we start to think about it that way, we will change it. And it's the same thing on our work environments. When we say, oh, this is such a toxic place to work, well, who's helping it be that way? If you're part of the system and you're not speaking up and you're not being authentic in that system, then you are enabling that system to continue as it, as it is, as a toxic system. Uh, you know, so our job as authentic persons is not to just say, oh, my gosh, I've got to get out of here, although that may be the bottom line. That may be what you decide to do, and that also is authentic. But if you're going to stay, stay by taking integral responsibility, by saying, I'm responsible for what I do here, and I want to be true to who I am. So if being true to you are who you are means speaking up more, then you'll speak up more. Now, some people say, well, uh-oh, that means I'm going to get fired. Maybe, maybe not. I have definitely seen people speak up in dysfunctional environments who were admired and even promoted for having stood up. Um, it's all in how you do it. It's not all in how you do it. It's also all partially in how dysfunctional and crazy your boss is. But, but it also is uh, a part of that that thing that says, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to do it in a professional and respectful way that says, I respect the other person's right to do whatever they do with what I say because that's their right. I can't control that. Uh, so, so integral responsibility becomes an organic part of living authentically. It grows and it becomes more mature and it, and it has its own natural cycles and all of that. So, uh, this, this whole thing of integral responsibility means we stop blaming. We stop saying, oh, it's the boss's fault for being such a cruddy boss. We start taking responsibility for our part in the system. In whatever ways that we're not saying what's true, in whatever ways we are bowing and kissing and all that stuff that we do to try to make sure we don't get fired, all of those ways are enabling the system to remain just as dysfunctional as it is. Right? If you want to be a part of that, keep doing what you're doing. If you want it to change, do something different. That's the deal. You're responsible for what you do. So, uh, now, that means that we also have to understand why we are where we are. Why are we leading? Why are we in a leadership position? Most of the time we don't ask that question, and we don't even ask that question when it comes to being an employee. We just take the job because it pays good, or we think it pays good, or it pays better than the last one, or it pays better than we thought we were going to get, or it pays enough, and we don't even care about better. We, you know, we, we take the job because it's going to pay us, and we don't think about whether or not we like it, it's just a job. I, I can't tell you how many people I see in my private practice who are extremely miserable in their jobs, and they come to see me, and they don't understand why they're depressed. I'm like, duh, you're depressed because 50, 60 hours a week, you're doing something you despise. Hello. Uh, you know, but we don't think about that because work is work, right? It's, you're supposed to be hard. You're not supposed to like work. You're supposed to, you know, go and get your money. That philosophy is part of the system that is putting us at a terrible bottom line with our economy right now. Why? Because it's false, and everything false leads to false. So if we want a real bottom line, we have to do things above the bottom line that are real. That's it. And uh, pretending and telling ourselves we don't have to care about whether or not we work at a job we like is false. The same is true in leadership. So if the leader has taken the job because they got promoted – 
you know, so many times people get promoted because they did really good in something that they did. So suppose they're really good at details and they get promoted up, but they don't know anything about leading people. You know, we have this belief that if a person does good at their job, they should get a promotion. No, that is not true. That is false. That leads to a false bottom line. What is true is that if we are, uh, if we understand why we're in a leadership position, that we are intense, intensely involved in the relationship aspect of leadership, then we're in the right job. But if we don't have those skills, we do not need to get promoted up to a leadership position. Period. End of subject. Leaders don't need to be promoted up because of personality, because they did a good job putting mail in the boxes, or because they did a good job figuring out figures on a piece of paper, or because they um, kissed up to the boss really well. That's not why people need to get promoted. If it's a leadership position and it involves managing other human beings, it needs to be a person who knows about human relationships and not only knows about them but is skilled is actually what i call a relationship adept someone who knows relationship backwards and forwards that is a good leader and anything short of that is not a good leader and they don't need to be in a leadership position we've got this faulty idea about that that people should get promoted just because you know they did whatever that they thought they were supposed to do so promoting that idea and being a part of that idea. If you are an employee who thinks that you should get a promotion because you know how to uh, serve in the restaurant well or because you know how to put the right gadgets together well or because you've kissed up to the boss long enough or any of those reasons, you are asking the boss to be false with you and you are being false with the boss. That leads to a false bottom line <coughs> for the business and for you as an individual. Falseness gets fal- falseness. And if we want real, if we want to not have to go buy gold to assure that our bottom line is real, then we've got to start working on what goes on above the bottom line. So when we talk about knowing why we're in the job we're in, we're not talking about going out and trying to find a big purpose for your life. All we're talking about is you know what you're doing and you know why you're doing it. Do you like doing the tasks of your job? Do you like doing 90 to 95 percent of the tasks of your job? When you're doing that, those jobs, do you, are you saying, more? I can't wait till five o'clock? Or are you saying, I really like doing this, what I'm doing right now? Stop for a moment, this moment, and for the next 30 seconds, ask yourself, do I like doing what I'm doing right this second? If you're listening to this radio show right now, stop and ask yourself if you like doing what you're doing right this second. If you don't, Ask yourself how many other things in this job that you're doing that you don't like doing. If it's 90% of the things or 80% of the things that you do on your job that you really don't like doing, you are in the wrong job. (coughs) And your reason for taking that job is false, and it's going to lead you to a false bottom line. So we need to be talking about and listening to ourselves with regard to why we took the position we took. Another thing that we need to understand is power balancing. I talked a little bit about this with regard to integral responsibility. Power power balancing is one of those things that we don't usually think about on the work, on the job. We don't think of balancing power. We think of an imbalance of power. The boss has all the power and the employees don't. That's the way it should be. We're going to talk about how we can shift that paradigm entirely right after this break. 
the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Have you discovered and awakened the natural power of your sexual energy? Imagine a world in which every woman's role is to birth the God in every man. Join host Mookie Okan for Sex and the Divine Design. Orgasm is a gift for your health and well-being. What if everyone could be free to experience and express the pleasure and power of being alive? Come and enhance your relationships, your well-being, and your sex life. Sex and the Divine Design is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back talking today about authenticity at work. And what we've said is that in order for us to establish authenticity at work, either as a leader or as an employee, we have to understand integral responsibility. We have to know ourselves. We have to be able to self-assess and therefore look and check what our belief systems are, which ones are true and which are false. We, excuse me, we have to be able to understand the connection between self-awareness and transformation. And we have to know why we are in the position we're in, whether it's a leadership position or an employee position. And we've come to power balancing. Power balancing, <clears throat> excuse me, is the understanding that everyone in a workplace has equal power. That doesn't mean they have the same positions, and it doesn't mean that we're talking about a uh, socialist republic or a communist republic here. What we're talking about <clears throat> is the realization of what is true. What is true is that everyone in that organization has equal power to run their own lives, and no one has power over anyone else. That is the truth. 
And anything but the truth is leading us to a false bottom line. And the false bottom line says paper doesn't mean anything, only gold means something. So we're talking about how to establish profitability by authenticity. We're talking about how to be authentic at work. So when we, when we talk about power balancing, what we do is we recognize, just, that's all, just recognize that everyone there has equal power. So instead of kissing up, we tell the truth. We become creative. We start owning part of the problems that are there, and we start coming up with solutions so that when we go to the boss, we don't go to kiss up. We go to say, listen, I've been thinking about this, and here's some ideas that I thought I'd pass on to you and see what you think. And the boss goes, oh, thank you very much. Let me look those over, and, and maybe we'll have a committee meeting, and you can be on the committee, and we'll talk about this all together and see what we can come up with as a team. We'll brainstorm all of this, and we'll be creative, and we'll problem solve problems. Don't you think the bottom line is going to raise quite a bit by just enabling that kind of creativity? But because we don't have power balancing in our work, uh, on our places of work, we eliminate all of those creative possibilities. And then we wonder what happened to the bottom line. Well, hello, we prohibited it. We prohibited the growth of our own companies by believing more in our own control over other people than we believe in the fact the fact that everyone in any work environment has equal power to everyone else. That, again, does not mean they have the same position. So, okay, uh, I'm the supervisor. And what that means is that I'm the supervisor and you happen to be my secretary. Okay, that's your job and I've got mine. That doesn't mean that I can control you. It means that I have my job as the supervisor and you have your job as the secretary and you're 100% responsible for for doing your job and I'm 100% responsible for doing mine. That's what that means. That's power balancing. And that kind of power balancing is felt. The leader in an organization creates the culture of that organization. So if I'm a leader who believes in power balancing – and in integral responsibility and in knowing myself and self-assessment and in transformation and in, and knowing why I want to lead. If I'm that kind of leader, then my organization is going to change its dynamic because it, it knows me as that kind of a leader. And there's going to be a lot more room in that organization for creativity. And creativity enhances the bottom line. All right? So what we're talking about is if we want to change our economic uh, strategies in the world, we'll stop talking about blame and we might even stop talking about trades and bull markets and bear markets. We might start talking about authenticity. How do we make the bottom line real? That's what we need to be talking about. So, okay, in order to do these things, two things have to happen. We have to have unconditional regard for each person that we work with and we have to know how to earn Not build, but earn trust. Now, trust is a two-way street. Uh, Trust says, uh, I have to earn your trust, but you also have to receive what what I've earned. In other words, uh, I see this all the time in married, married couples. The wife has never cheated, never ever, and she's very faithful and good and kind and loving to her husband, but he is always thinking she's going to cheat on him. Or it can be reversed, forget the gender. Uh, but He's always thinking that she's going to cheat on him, so he's always calling to check on her. He's always following her around. He's always, uh, you know, asking her where she's been and accusing her of cheating and all that stuff, when really that's not what's going on at all. 
So she has earned his trust, but he has not received it. Okay? So trust is a two-way street, and it requires the collaborative effort of more than one person. And and so trust is not something that you can just say, well, just trust me. Well, I'm the boss, so just trust me. Well, I've had a, a... you know, I've been here for 17 years now, and I'm an employee, and I'm a good employee, so just trust me. That's not how that works. Trust is both earned and received. It's a two-way street. So when we talk about trust, we're also talking about unconditional regard. I, If I regard you as a human being and your personhood is respected by me just because you exist, not because you've done anything or behaved a certain way or attained a certain level or you have a certain amount of money or you've got a certain title, none of that stuff. Just because you are a person who exists on this planet, I unconditionally regard you. I unconditionally respect you. That means that I know that you have the right to receive the trust I'm earning or not. You have the right to say, nope, I'm not receiving that. I don't. I'm not seeing that you have earned that trust. You have that right. But that doesn't mean that I'm going to change what I'm doing. I'm responsible still for that, regardless of what you do with it. But I know that you have that right and that I cannot control that right. Now, you may change your mind over time of working with me, but that is yours, not mine. And that kind of unconditional regard allows trust to develop. So I'm not trying to make you trust me. I just know that if you're going to trust me, you're going to trust me. And if you're not, you're not. And I'm going to still do everything that I do that's authentic. Now, if I'm lying and cheating and stealing and embezzling funds and I want you to trust me and you're not receiving it, I can't blame that on you. I haven't earned it. So it's it's a two-way street. It's a collaborative effort. In the same way, transparency is also a collaborative effort. I, As transparent people, what we're not doing is telling everybody our deepest, darkest secret, especially at work. Work is not a place where we do that unless you're buddy-buddy with somebody that you're a co-worker with. That's fine. But um, <clears throat> transparency doesn't necessarily mean that we tell everybody everything. What it means is that people can see us for who we are. We don't have walls up. We don't have games we're playing that keep people from seeing who we are. We don't aren't passive-aggressive when we, we have something to say, we say it. Uh, we're not passive. When something's going on, we address it. We are, we are there taking responsibility for our lives and therefore we create transparency in the work environment. And when we do that as leaders, then we create a culture of doing that and the culture becomes much more transparent. So people can go to people and say, you know, when you did that yesterday, it really worried me because X, Y, and Z. Can we talk about that? And they talk about it and they work it out and they figure out what they're going to do now. That is a transparent work environment built on trust because uh, of the collaborative effort between individuals who are working together, both of whom are being authentic. Now, I know you're going to say, I hear you saying it, yeah, well, I could go to work and be authentic, and all those sharks are still going to want to eat me alive. Okay, that's possible. You could do that, and they could eat you alive. Or you could be creative and take responsibility for what your next step is and decide where you want to work, how you want to work, why you want to work there. Make your life your own. That's how we do this. So today we've been talking about authenticity at work, and uh, this this whole dynamic is something you may want to hear more about. If you do, please feel free to write me, and we'll talk about it some more. Um, next week, we're going to be talk, talking to Catherine Tull about how you matter. 
So stay tuned for that. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.